Hello and welcome and thank you for joining me. This is the Catholic Adventurer. You're catching me live on X at For the Queen BVM. You're catching me live throughout social media on YouTube at Catholic Adventurer and on X, I'm sorry, Facebook at Catholic Adventurer. Thank you. Today we're going to be talking about, this is part two of a series I'm doing on basically discussing how the Blessed Virgin Mary presents Jesus to the world. She doesn't just give birth to him and send him on his way. She doesn't, she doesn't only mother him. She presents him to the world. Part one, we focused on the Annunciation. Today, part two, we're focusing on the second joyful mystery, which is the visitation of Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. And have some interesting things to, uh, to share, some little uh, factoids you may not have heard about. But the most important thing that I want to emphasize is the value and importance of mental prayer and meditation. I think everyone is familiar with, you know, praying, for instance, the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee, blessed. Glory be to the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, as was in the beginning. That is not the ideal way to pray. It's a way to pray, but it's not the ideal way to pray. If you're a subscriber to my website at catholicadventurer.com, if you're a subscriber, I'm going to um, I'm going to do some webinars on how to pray meditatively as a Catholic. Mental prayer. I'm going to do some webinars on that, taking you through some guided meditations and such. The reason why I bring that up is because what I'm going to share with you is something that the Holy Spirit has, has led me to understand through meditation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break this down through some scripture, and we're going to look at a little bit of art. So if you're catching the video, it's not a waste of your time. You're not just going to be looking at, you know, sound waves and a spinning microphone and a logo um, for the whole thing. Uh, there's going to be some art that I'm going to bring in. If you're not getting video, don't worry. You're only missing like three pieces of art. So <laughs> you're only missing a little bit. Okay, you're not missing much. You're getting you're getting all of the substance, all the important stuff you're getting. All right? This is from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is an important gospel writer because it is traditionally believed now Luke was not an apostle. So most of the all the information he got, he received probably from St. Paul, who he was close with, and you know, interviews of St. Paul and probably interviews of key people. He might have interviewed some of the apostles. Um, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. But he probably interviewed some of the apostles, and he probably, and this is not my thought, this is traditionally, uh, I would say suspected. I don't want to use the word believed. It's traditionally suspected that he also interviewed the Blessed Virgin Mary. I think one of the reasons that is believed or, or, or strongly suspected is because there are things he writes about that's information he could only have gotten from the Blessed Virgin Mary. So he probably interviewed her. So he's a very interesting and very important gospel writer. And we're going to see some of why he's so important. As I read this, I'm going to roll just, just something to keep your eyes inspired. I'm going to roll this little video clip of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and if you can, close your eyes, relax, and meditate on, on this as I read. 
This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 to 40. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judea, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. This is already interesting. Imagine the Blessed Mother, she's 14 or 15, she just received news that she's, not only is she pregnant, but she's going to give birth to the Son of God, not just to any ordinary child. And the first thing she does after the angel leaves, well, the first thing I would have done was I would have freaked out. But the first thing the Holy Virgin does is, well, let me, it's interesting the way Bishop Sheen, Bishop Fulton Sheen put this, is he said, the Blessed Mother is always in a rush to do the good. Because the scripture, he says, tells us that she went in haste and traveled to the hill country. That trip to the hill country was, was no easy trip. It wasn't like she had to walk next door. It was no easy trip. And now she's pregnant, and she's basically a child. I mean, 15, 14, 15-year-olds back then were not like they are now, but still, she's, she's essentially a child. Pregnant with the Son of God, and now making this difficult trip to the hill country of, of Judea. One of the little factoids I can share with you is her cousin Elizabeth lived only a very short walk from where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. So in the Old Testament, the Israelites are at war with, I think, the Philistines. And they were losing. So they snatched the Ark of the Covenant, the the Israelites did, because historically for the Israelites, whenever the Ark of the Covenant went before them, they won the battle. This time, they didn't. They lost the battle, even with the Ark of the Covenant on the battlefield, and the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant brought misery and curse, misery and curse to the Philistines, and it was so bad for them, that, and they knew it was the Ark of the Covenant that was causing this misery and, and, and things, so they sent it back. They sent it back to, to Israel. And it was housed, I can't remember where, um, it was it, it was kept in someone's house for a long time, you know, someone in, in, in Israel. And it was there, I think, for a couple of hundred years, actually. And where this house was, where the Ark of the Covenant was housed, is only a short walk away from the house of Elizabeth at the time of the Holy Virgin's visitation to her cousin Elizabeth. So that's one, that's one merger or convergence between the Old and New Testament. The original Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, was housed in the hill country of Judea. And now the Ark of the New Covenant, the Blessed Virgin Mary, goes to greet her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea, only a very short walk from where the, orig- the Ark of the Old Covenant was housed. Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, I have a funny feel, and I don't have an answer for you for what I'm about to share, but I have a very funny feeling that that is significant for some reason. Don't know why this part specifically entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. I don't know why, but I feel like there's something there 
Why are we being told specifically she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth? Why phrase it that way? Why be that specific? I don't know. You should try meditating on this scripture and see what the Holy Spirit tells you about it. That's really why I bring that up. The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant in her womb leapt, or the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, we'll get to what she said in a second. Now, the Holy Virgin Mary enters the house of Zechariah and greets her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. She heard Mary's greeting, so she's not in the same room. She only heard Mary's greeting. Another thing I want to point out is we have another convergence between the Old and New Testaments. So far, we have the Ark of the New Covenant going to the hill country, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And now, with the Holy Virgin's greeting, the infant in the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leapt. This calls back to when King David went to uh, the Ark of the Covenant, again, at the house of someone who I, whose name I don't remember, one of those weird Hebrew names that I could never remember if I tried. And when he encounters the Ark of the Covenant, King David leaps and dances for joy. And here we have John the Baptist leaping in the womb of his mother. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice. Also, David and the people with David cried out in a loud voice. Another, another, um, another bit of typology there. Elizabeth cried out in a loud voice, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, listen to this part. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Also, a reflection of what King David said because King David knew he was not worthy to receive the Ark of the Covenant. And that's what King David said. How could I receive the Ark of the Covenant? Back to the Scripture. For at the moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. For at the moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leaped for joy or leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed what, what was spoken to you by the Lord who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack. We're discussing or we're we're covering how the Blessed Virgin Mary presents Jesus to the world. First, she presents him to the world in her womb. Something significant there that I should point out is the angel tells Mary that the, so Mary says, how am I going to conceive of the Son of God? I'm, I'm a virgin. And it's believed that she was a consecrated virgin. And the angel of the Lord says, the, uh, the Holy Spirit will descend upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. When the Jews completed um, the, the tabernacle, going back to the Old Testament, God was very specific about how it should be built. And once it was built and finished, the presence of the Lord came down upon it and resided with it in a, in a, in a form of a cloud, in a cloud. The cloud overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant. And the Annunciation, so the word overshadowed 
And I, I forget the word that's used in the Old Testament, but it means the same thing, to be completely covered, to be overshadowed by the presence of God. For at the moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And again, I mentioned this in the, in the first part, in part one, that Mary presents her son in her womb. She also presents her son, she, she presents her son to the world by her, by her very voice, by her word. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. You'll have to go back to part one to see how I unpack that. But basically, she, she is speaking to the angel, but I believe that she's actually addressing God. Let it be done to me according to your word. Because the angel speaks God's words. It's, it's the angel's voice, but it's really God's voice because it's God's word. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and God spoke, and he said, let there be light, and yada, yada. When God speaks, his word goes forth and does not return to him um, without having um, borne fruit. His word does. His word does. May it done to me, may it be done to me according to thy word. I don't think she was addressing the angel, really. She was addressing God, I guess, through the angel. Or it could be both, but, you know, God and the angel she was addressing. But really, just like when, when we pray to Mary, we're, we're praying to Mary, but we're really praying to God, right? I think the same thing was happening in that mystery. She's speaking to the angels, but she's really speaking to God. What's one way we can know that with some confidence? Listen to what Elizabeth says. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. But the Lord didn't speak to her, right? The angel did. So I think that's a very powerful statement. But here's something that you may overlook. For at the moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. Here's what's interesting. I'm wondering if you caught it. And going back to the scripture, the moment your voice reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. It's interesting. We always think of the visitation and John leaping for joy in the Blessed Mother's womb's womb. I'm sorry, John leaping for joy in Elizabeth's womb. We always think of that as, well, they got together, and when John the Baptist, even in the womb of his mother, when John the Baptist was really close to Jesus, you know, in very close proximity, he leapt for joy in his mother's womb. We always think of that, right, that this leaping in the womb of Elizabeth happened after Elizabeth and the Holy Virgin were in close proximity. But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, The moment your voice reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt. The moment your voice reached my ears. As the Word of God does and has effect, we see a reflection of that here, that as Mary presents her son Jesus to the house of Zechariah, to her cousin Elizabeth, it's her voice that has the effect. Her voice. You could say, well, her voice, I mean, I'm not being literal, like her, you know, her voice is a superpower. I'm talking about this. Her voice echoes her presence, and her presence is the presence of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ in her womb, her voice echoing her presence is meaningless. Her voice echoes her presence, and her presence is the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's why, in this moment, only just her voice was enough 
to produce the effect that we see, that we saw there. Again, this is how the Holy Virgin presents. This is a, a, a manifestation of the presentation of Jesus by the Holy Virgin Mary. Now, here's another part that I think most of us do not reflect on as much as it deserves. And it goes like this. Then Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is Mary's Magnificat, where she magnifies the greatness of the Lord. She doesn't say, I am so amazing, as, as people are known to say today. Everyone's talking about how amazing they themselves are. It's, and that is amazing to me. Sorry. Mary says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We always see Mary in art as very calm, cool, collected, stoic, reflective. I think the temptation is there that most of us will look at Mary's Magnificat, and if we imagine it, we imagine her being very calm. She's standing straight and tall. Her eyes are downcast. To, to, to show her humility. And she's saying, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with faith. Uh-uh-uh. I don't think that's how it went at all. I don't think that's how it went at all. Consider this. These are some serious, serious words of, of joy and exultation. As I meditate on this, I kind of see the Holy Virgin I, I, I don't have a word for it, but in, in a state of complete joy and excitement, maybe she's even crying tears of joy. Maybe she's even, her and Elizabeth are embracing and they collapse on the floor because she's beside herself as she's saying these words. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I don't see her saying this calmly. I see her saying this with great excitement, tremendous excitement. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. So, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. It's so amazing to me that, it's it's just amazing to me that this is the Blessed Virgin Mary this perfect, pure creature, and she refers to herself as lowly, where we today are inclined to speak of ourselves in ways that are haughty. Can you imagine? For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Listen up, Protestants. Why will all generations refer to her as blessed or blessed? Because the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And then Mary, well, let me pause there. How are we seeing the presentation of Jesus by Mary in these words? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices. So Mary is, is putting forth these, these exclamations, these feelings, right? This exaltation. And what are, the, what are the components to it? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. 
So she's really characterizing God here. She's characterizing the divine person. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. In Mary's Magnificat up to this point, we're seeing that God is great, that God is full of love. His love and generosity are mysterious. They're tremendously mysterious. And then she starts speaking of his mercy. For the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. And then she talks about the power of God. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. Wow. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the... Can you imagine? Has scattered the proud in their conceit. Can you imagine God coming down and scattering the proud in their conceit with his strong arm? He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Check this out, this line. He has filled the hungry with good things. Again, you're hearing about his tremendous generosity. He doesn't give the hungry good things. He has filled the hungry with good things. And get this one. And the rich he has sent away empty. We see two poles of the divine person. His tremendous generosity, and I don't want to say the severity of his justice, but that's really what it is. The sever- and severe doesn't mean it's over the top. We see the, tr- the greatness of his, of his generosity and the severity of his justice. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He, didn't, he doesn't just ignore them in the, in the Magnificat. He sends them away. Shoo, get away from me. Get away from here, you evildoer. And the rich he has sent away empty. How does Mary present Jesus so far as we're seeing it in the Magnificat? Everything that Mary is saying, we can trace, we can connect to Jesus. I, I, I just did it. The rich he has sent away empty. Be gone, you evildoers. Remember when Jesus said that? Get away from my door. But Lord, we ate with you. We listened to you preach. I, and Jesus says, I have no idea who you are. I don't want to, I was going to connect these dots for you, but I feel like I'm taking it away from you by doing that. Here's your homework assignment. Go back to the scriptures. Luke chapter 1, I think it starts in verse 48. Uh, let me check real quick. It starts in verse 46. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Read through the Magnificat. Pray on it. Meditate on it. If you don't know how to meditate, you might want to subscribe to me at catholicadventurer.com because I'm going to be doing a webinar, a series of of exclusive shows um, teaching about meditation, guided meditation. It's going to be great. That's going to be really, really great. I can't wait to do that with you. But meditate on this and ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Where do we see the words of Jesus in the Magnificat? The Blessed Mother's Magnificat is a foreshadowing of the words of Jesus, her son. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You know what I do sometimes after I receive communion? I kind of go with my heart. What do I feel? I I do have like a, a three or four set things that I like to pray after communion. And sometimes I just say something from my heart, and sometimes I'll do both. I'll say something from my heart, and then, you know, one of my, you know, one of my official prayers that I say after 
communion, after I receive communion. This is one of them that I say. Sometimes I'll say almost the whole Magnificat because it applies. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I will say that because it, it, it applies to me having received communion. Except I don't say, um, you know, from this day forth all generations will call me blessed. I don't say that part. <laughs> I skip that part. And sometimes I will only say this one part. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Sometimes that's it. I'll say that right after I get back to my pew after receiving communion. I'll kneel down, I cover my face with my hands, and I say, The Almighty has done great things. In other words, by letting me receive communion, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You might want to consider trying that. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. Folks, who has mercy but God? So again, we're seeing, and, and, and Jesus harps on this, and the prophets harp on this. He has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. I'm so sorry, my, my, my memory fails me now, but there's a significance to three months. And it also goes back to the Old Testament. I'm so very sorry. Um, I only now remembered that there's something there, but I've forgotten what, <laughs> what it is. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to write an accompanying blog post with some of these details on this episode's page on my website, catholicadventurer.com. So you go to the website, you'll see this. On, once I publish it, which it's, it's not going to take long, it'll be there either by this evening or, to, or early tomorrow. And beneath the episode, on the episodes page, just beneath the player, you'll see I've, I've written some stuff. It'll be basically the show notes, and I'll include it there, catholicadventurer.com. So we see in the visitation the Blessed Virgin Mary presents her son Jesus with, in her womb, right, with her own body, with her voice, because the, without Jesus in her womb, her voice has, has no power or effect. She presents Jesus with her voice, her body, and with her praises of God, because the, really the life of Jesus is a life of praise of God. Mary's presentation of Jesus to the world is ongoing, and it's deep, and it's mysterious. It's not just poetic. You know, when I say, for instance, in episode one, when I said that Mary presents Jesus to the world, for instance, in what she says to the angel, let it be done to me according to thy word. That's, just, that's not just some poetic connection I'm making. It's a real thing. The very voice of the Blessed Virgin Mary has power in, in this mystery that we're talking about today, because of the presence of Jesus in her womb. It's the only reason it has power. When we look at the Hail Mary, the only reason any of it has any meaning is because of what's in the middle of that prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus the only reason the first part of the Hail Mary makes, the only reason we should care about it at all 
The, reason, the only reason why it matters at all is because of that word, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The only reason that has any meaning is because of what's in the middle, Jesus. So, to conclude, what's another way that the Blessed Virgin Mary presents her son Jesus? By being who she is. By being who she is. Because by being who she is, she is the mother of God. Her very being is a presentation of Jesus. And it has no power without Jesus. Her very being is a presentation of Jesus. The voice of the Blessed Mother echoed her presence, and her presence was also the presence of Jesus Christ. Where there is Mary, there is Jesus. And where there is Jesus, Mary is not far behind. She's just right there. We see that throughout Scripture. Throughout the Gospels, we see that Mary is there with Jesus. She comes up again and again and again. Mary presents her son, Jesus. If you're having trouble getting close to Jesus, get close to Mary. Watch what happens. Because she's always presenting her son. She's presenting him right now. And she's asking you, all of us, She's asking and begging all of us, come nearer, come nearer. You have nothing whatsoever to fear from him. Come nearer. And if you can't make it, ask me to help you and I'll pick you up and I'll carry you to him. Thank you for joining me for this special episode of The Catholic Experience, exploring how the Blessed Virgin Mary presents Jesus, her son, through an analysis of the second joyful mystery, the visitation. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing it with you. Ooh, I, that, if only I could have timed that better and, and, and the music ended just as I was done. <laughs> that would have been so cool. Please check me out at catholicadventurer.com because there's a whole lot of things happening there. There's a whole lot of stuff that you're going to miss if you're not frequenting my website. If you can't Visit the website every day. I don't care. It's not like I'm getting advertising dollars from your visits. I want you to visit that frequently so that you get stuff out of it. But if you can't make it, or if you forget, or if you just don't care that much, <laughs> subscribe to my uh, to my newsletter so that you get hand-delivered, virtual, hand-delivered notifications and, and updates about stuff that I've produced, podcasts, blogs, articles, videos, stuff like that. Thank you again. God bless you, and God be with you all. Thank you for joining me. God be with you all. Bye-bye.